So Adam, you may notice behind me right here, for those of you watching on video, you can see behind me that I'm pointing. If you're watching on audio, well, come to the video, I guess. But behind <laughs> yeah, me, I've got a new piece of art on the wall that uh, I realized I after I hung it. After I hung it, it actually displays very prominently right here. It's this red piece of artwork. I got this for Christmas. I actually want to bring it up because, like, no matter what it was, I was going to hang it on my wall. But I absolutely love it because it's from a video game that I like to play, a video game called Hades. I love gaming. If you haven't been able to pick up the video game stuff before, you can now. But this was, I'm opening presents at Christmas. And you always open presents. And, you know, you have an older daughter. And my daughter's uh, now 17. And so when you've got kids growing up, like you would always give them money or you would wrap a present and be like, this is to, like, you bought it, but you're giving it to your wife from your kids, right? Right. So I would always get presents to be like, to dad from, you know, from Charlie or from Izzy. And it's like, right. this, this says to dad from Izzy. And she's like, no, dad, this is from me. I'm like, I know it says it's from you. She's like, no, dad, this is from me. Mom didn't like, buy Mom it. didn't buy this. I bought it with my money. I was like, Oh, like she was at the mall, saw this and was like, I got to get this for my dad because he will love this. And she spent her money and bought it for me. That was very sweet. It was it was such a moment. Like it was the first time this has happened. Like everyone who's I'm on a call with nowadays, they get to hear about this picture now because it's like such a proud (laughs) dad moment. Right. So, uh, yeah, that was that's kind of my that was my kind of favorite thing to happen, I think, from from Christmas this time around. That's awesome. And I will say this. It's funny. As my daughter gets older, I find that my gifts are becoming more practical. <laughs> like like the ones you get so, or the ones you give? The ones I get. Like, like <laughs> I, mom said you needed some socks. Or Oh, my gosh. I love the practical gifts. Like my favorite, I, I get socks every year. And, I, and yep. I, people are always surprised at how much I like the socks. I'm like, you don't have any idea how fast I wear out socks. And I hate oh, buying I socks. No, I hate buying socks too because they're so expensive. <laughs> Where do you buy your socks, man? Walmart. I, Walmart. I lo- I mean, I'm kind of have fancy style, you know me. <laughs> yeah, you do. <laughs> uh, I don't want to tell you the price I'm paying for the socks I'm buying. <laughs> I do not have fancy style. I wear I'm not a fancy style man. I'm going to go to a stylist though. And when Ooh. I go, I'm going to wear probably my dirtiest, nastiest jeans, my oldest sneakers, and my dirtiest hat. I mean, I'm weirdos. Dollars. You're going to be on a TV show. It's just it's, yeah. it's going to go Walking. down. <laughs> I, I need was... clothes help. <laughs> well, welcome to Demo Jockeys, everyone, where we talk about more than just being SEs. It's about the entire person, I guess. Uh, Jack Cocker with my host, Adam D. Tommaso. Welcome, 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 everybody, to this week's rendition. I'm very excited. This is a good week. This week and for next week. Yes. Uh, I've had to be honest, I had a hard time editing down these episodes <laughs> from this interview that uh, they might be a little bit longer this week, but that's okay because there's nothing I wanted today, to cut folks. out. There was nothing right, I wanted and, to cut out from week, our conversation with and Chris. And probably next. For those of you who don't know, uh, we've been going through the Six Habits of Highly Effective Sales Engineers by Chris White. We have Chris joining us today. We just completed our interview with him a little bit ago. Such a great conversation. Uh, if you don't have, if you're not aware of Chris and all the things he does, obviously he wrote the book. Um, he runs his own kind of solution engineering consulting 
uh, practice called Tech Sales Advisors. If you find him on LinkedIn, you'll find that. He runs a weekly LinkedIn live show called Tech Sales Advice. Advise you to check that out. Fantastic conversations he has with various people talking about lots of different things in our industry related to it. Uh, and, you know, literally just check him out, check out the interview. Uh, Adam, we'll see you after the first half of this interview. See you next in a bit. Well, Chris White, welcome to Gem Demo Jockeys. We are very excited to have you on the show. Delighted to be here. Thanks, guys. Absolutely. This is this is our third episode now talking through the six habits of highly effective sales engineers. See, the nice thing is Chris has it mounted on the wall behind him. He doesn't have to do the trying to hold it up that we have to go through. Uh, I'm getting better at it, not covering up the name of right. <laughs> trying to show the whole book, getting, <laughs> showing the, the the whole book. Uh, so we're actually really excited to hop in. Uh, it's always a pleasure when we can have the actual author of the book on the show with us. Uh, because the first thing I love to ask is, so Chris, what was your favorite part about writing the book? Mm, gosh, that's a that's such a hard hard question for me to to answer, to, particularly around content. I will say this: my my favorite thing about just writing the book, the the book, honestly, guys, was like eight or nine years in the making because I I got my first I got my first role as a sales engineer in 2009, I'm sorry, in 2005, I'm dating myself. In 2005, I got my first role as a sales engineer. And, and many people have heard me say this before, I thought I was gonna be brilliant because I could move a mouse and talk at the same time. <laughs> and I realized very quickly that I had no idea really what, what being a sales engineer, big S, little E, was all about. And, and look guys, I made a lot of mistakes. I, I stubbed my toe the first three to four months, five months, but I figured things out and, and slowly started finding better ways to engage and, and do discovery and perform and all those things that I talk about in the book. And when I took over a team of, of I, I moved into management in 2010 and I inherited a team of sales engineers and, and they, and I discovered that they were making many of the same mistakes that I made when I first got into the profession. And, and shortly thereafter, I created some training for them. That was the, in essence, the first version of the six habits. And by the time, at the, by the way, at the time I wasn't calling it six habits. But over the course of the next seven or eight years, almost nine years, I, I had been delivering various versions of that training for different groups, organizations that I work with, some, some that, that had, had heard about it. And for years, I, I had all these ideas and concepts swirling around my brain. And I had actually attempted to write the book a few times. And, and failed miserably. And in, in April of 2019, I actually hired a, co like a publishing coach. And he said to me, Chris, if you do everything I tell you to do when I tell you to do it, your book will be published in two months or less as an Amazon number one bestseller. And by the way, guys, I didn't, I didn't believe him, but I desperately wanted to. Yeah. But, but following his program, and literally, people have a hard time believing this. I even have a hard time believing this. The, the bulk of the book was literally written in two weeks. I was uber focused. And what was most satisfying was to take all this, this, this material, these concepts, these ideas, these, these things that, that had been developing and evolving over almost a decade, 
on paper, out of my brain and organized in a digestible manner and, and, and on paper, I, I literally, I felt like I gave birth to a book, <laughs> you know? And it's like it freed my mind to start thinking about new things and other things. So just in terms of the most satisfying thing about writing the book, it was just getting all of that out of my brain and organized in, into a, a, a digestible manner. Now, if I, if I can answer one other part of the question, people ask me this frequently, what's, what's your favorite habit? Man, that's a tough, that's a tough, like, like depending pick, on pick the day. Pick amongst your children here, yeah. right? Right, Ex exactly, exactly. I mean, depending on the day. But I, I will say this, I, I, I tend to lean towards the AESE partnership because I, that seems to be the area, and, and you guys know this, if you give ASEs a, a few minutes, like if 10, 15, 20 minutes to sit down, maybe over lunch, over a beer or something, guaranteed they're going to be complaining about their AEs at some point. <laughs> right? Yep, mm -hmm. absolutely. So, 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 so that always rises to, to the top. And I, and I said this in the book, and I'll close the first question with this, is I sincerely believe that discovery is the most important, or at least may very well be the most important part of our job. If, if we're not good at discovery, if we're not, and not, it's, it's more than just being good. If we're not sincerely curious and interested in understanding our prospects and our customers and who they are and what they're trying to do, I, I, don't, I don't think any of the other habits even matter. So guys, I'll pause there and, and, and sort of see, see if that sort of touches a chord for, for, for either of you. Yeah. I certainly I, I I I agree with that. That's something that I wish I could tell my early self as we kind of mentioned the importance of discovery because I remember thinking that's someone else's job when mm. I was first starting as an SC. I was like, "No. Really? Someone else do the discovery and come and tell me what I need to demo. I don't want to do the discovery. I'm not here to cold call and qualify and I I had the whole discovery like qualification all mixed up and so but learning now I, I'd say that the second half of my pre-sales careers where I really started to lean into discovery. Yeah, if, if you don't have that done right and you don't really understand what someone cares about, why they're listening to you, you could have the best practice and you know uh, uh, actual presentation and everything else that is not going to matter. Yeah, you know it's funny you say well, that too because just to add on to the thought. Think about it from this poor perspective that I used to have. Yeah, of course I want to be there for the discovery. And then not actually figuring out what it meant to the business, just kind of regurgitating something and, oh, yeah, they mean this feature or they mean this thing and not putting any emphasis on it. And then thinking you get to that demo and you're going to deliver this great demo and you're that's what's most important and you miss the point. A hundred percent. And and honestly, guys, like you, 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 I think you're both even more advanced than I was when I first got into this. Like, not only did I not think about discovery, if I'm fully honest, I think I had such a big ego because look, I'm an enterprise art and I right. was in, I was in the enterprise architecture space. Right. <laughs> and, and so we sold enterprise an enterprise architecture platform. I had such a big ego that I was like, I'll just just drop me in there. Just 
crank me up and let me do my thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I was so <laughs> focused on me, myself and I, and what I had to show and what I had to say that, that, that my, 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 my compass wasn't, wasn't even pointing towards them at all. Right. So, and, and, and it wasn't until I walked into a couple of meetings where I completely painted myself into a corner or in a couple of times, even embarrassed myself that I was like, wow, like this is not actually about me. It's not about my smarts. It's not about how well I know the tool or how great our tool is. It really is about understanding them, the customer, the, you know, the prospect, what they're trying to do and demonstrating how our solution is going to help them achieve what they're trying to achieve. And, and I think Adam, you may have, and, and, and actually both of you said this a little bit. So then I started relying on what the account executive would tell me. So I said, well, you need to give me a little more information. Then I realized that they don't actually translate <laughs> what no. the prospect of the customer says in a way that's beneficial to us. So that's when I realized, okay, I need a front seat at that at that table. I need, I need to sit in the driver's seat of, of discovery. So yeah, I mean that, I would say that that probably was the single biggest change in, 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 in my, er, in the early part of my career. Yeah. I'd love to drill into that a little bit around, I'm kind of changing the compass from yourself to the customer, because I've certainly identified with that. It's a hard thing to do. I actually got feedback once where some, I remember someone had asked me, how do you think the meeting went? We just got out. The AU was asking me, how do you think the meeting went? And I said, well, all the things I wanted to click on, I clicked on. I didn't stumble. And it was all about all the things that I did. And they kind of looked at me with like that, when a dog's thinking about what you're saying to them, you know, and they, I kind of got that look and they went, yeah, I don't care about that. How do you think they took it? And I realized I've never even thought about that for a second. So how do you start to get your focus away from yourself, which I think is a very natural thing, especially someone new to the industry does. How do you start to make that pivot back to the customer? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a really, I think it's a really important question, actually, Jack. And, you know, it's interesting. You guys know I, I run sales training programs. And one of the things that we, one of the principles we refer to is what we call the default principle. And, in fact, I'll, I'll do it with you guys. F finish this sentence. The compass works because it always blank, blank. Points north. Points north. Points north. Exactly. We all have a compass lodged right here in our, in our psyche. Where does our compass always point? To self, yep. right? Yep. It's, yep. it's human nature. It doesn't mean we're bad people. It, it doesn't, it doesn't job, mean we're so. selfish. It's just, right? And, and I can, anybody listening to this, I can prove it to you. Take a look at some pictures from your last vacation. As you're looking through the pictures, <laughs> who are you looking for first? Yeah. Yourself. We we yeah. we all do it. And the moment you see a picture that you're not in, you're you're immediately less interested, right? So, mm -hmm. getting back to your question, Jack, like how do we shift that focus? It actually takes a conscious decision. Because if we if we're not conscious about it and intentional about it, it's not going to happen naturally. Because it's human nature to just default to self, right? So I think that's where it starts. I think it starts with literally taking the time to remind ourselves, okay, it's not about me. It's not about the product. It's, it's about them. It's about what they're trying to achieve. And, and I have an interesting analogy, and you guys know me enough. And we've, we've, we've only talked a few times, but I'm, I'm sure you know, you know me well enough to know that I love analogies. And, and I heard sort of this analogy or sort of this, this sort of picture that, that I absolutely love talking about how do we balance between 
focusing on the customer or our audience, if I can use that term, and ourselves and our material. And he said, I want you to imagine you're, you walk into a room and there's a magnetic force or a magnetic field on one side of the room and a magnetic field on the other. The first one is your customer and their agenda, their objectives, et cetera. And the second one is you and your agenda, your message, your material. And there's sort of this tug of war, there's co this constant pull to, towards one versus the other. If we allow the magnetic pull towards the customer to go too far, we may actually forget what it is that we're there to, to achieve, right? We may forget to actually deliver the message, right? We, we can't lose sight of what we are trying to achieve and the message we're trying to deliver. But at the same token, if we're, if we're too focused on, if we let, we let the magnetic draw, you know, pull us too far back towards ourselves, we're, we're focused too much on ourselves. So, so I think we need to recognize it's sort of like there's, there's this balance between being, being present in the moment, being situationally aware and tuned in, you know, reading the room and tuned in to them and what they are trying to achieve but also make sure that you're staying focused on what you're there to deliver, the message you're there to deliver, et cetera. So I, I think it's, to, to, to answer your question directly, Jack, I think first of all, it does take a, an intentional conscious decision because human nature is to default to self. And then I think we have to sort of strike a balance between making sure that we're tuned into them, but also keeping in mind what we're there to do and, and, and doing our job. Does that, does that resonate with you guys? That totally resonates. Yeah. And I actually want to expand on that a little bit or, or bring in another idea. And again, this is uh, inspired by the book, but this to me is, is, is what the nirvana that I get when I work with salespeople that have the same thing and the same idea and the same thought process. How, I mean, thinking about that, how, does, how can that relationship if you'd like to think of, or just talk about how can that relationship affect that in a positive way and affect it in a negative way? Because sometimes in a lot of situations, a, a more junior SC or someone just coming into being an SC, maybe, uh, maybe associated to a group of people who are just coming into sales who are also not aware of that. Can, can we get into that or talk about that? And that kind of expanding on the idea of just in general, the relationship with that you should have with your salesperson. I mean, uh, you know, uh, uh, Adam, I, I think I think we could spend an hour and a half just <laughs> picking apart what, what you just said. There, there's there's a, there's a couple of thoughts that I had, and my my mind was sort of springing in different directions. First of all, I've for a while I, I've been thinking about creating some sort of matrix that was AE junior or less experienced. And, and highly experienced on the x-axis, and then SE less experienced and highly experienced on the y-axis. You've got four quadrants there, and, 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 and in each scenario, I think there are some interesting dynamics. So, and, and you know, let's, let's take the, the scenario, if, if we've got a junior SE and, and maybe a less experienced or less tenured account executive, th that, that could be a risky proposition, right? right. So, 
from my perspective, that's where management really needs to step in and do a lot of handholding and, and, and coaching and, and providing a lot of guidance. But here, here's an interesting, let's just sort of genericize at a moment and, and let's just talk about the AE and SE. If an SE is going into, let's say a meeting or, you know, and I, by the way, you know, people ask me, what would I do differently in the book? I, I wrote the book, I published a book in June of 2019. Less than a year later, the world shut down. Yeah, I mean, and, and we a stopped. Big we yeah. stopped walking. Like in, in the book, I talk a lot about walking into the room, right? And owning the room. We don't do, at least for, for a number of years, we didn't do that, right? And mo most everything is on a Zoom now. But nonetheless, the AE and SE join the Zoom meeting or they walk into the room. If the SE, if one of the two has has more of a focus on the customer and, and the other maybe a little bit too much focused on tools, technology features, let's just show them our stuff, right? I do think it can create problems. And, and to me, this is, and, and, and you guys, I know you showed the book, I know you've read the book, I talk a lot about habit number three to prepare, habit number four to practice. And, and when I'm talking about prepare, it's, it's a lot about, making sure that that you're creating a presentation or demonstration that's relevant and aligns with what they're trying to achieve, et cetera. But a big part of that is syncing up and getting aligned with your with your sales counterpart. And and, and I think one of the things, things is talking about, do we agree on on sort of where they are and and what they're trying to achieve and 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 are we both sort of singing that tune so to speak and and if not it's interesting another good analogy and, and i don't think this is in the book I, I like i like to say when you're entering a meeting think more like an uber driver not a tour guide and you guys have heard the harbor tour demo right mm -hmm. When the Uber driver picks us up, what does he or she know? Where we are, where we want to go, and the best way, and it's their job to get us there as quickly as possible. By the way, that little thumb popped up. I have a new, I have a new Mac, I have a new Apple Mac Air or something, and for some reason, every now and then when I do that, I, I, I get that pop up. Um, but what a great way to think about our, our role and what a great way to sync up with the account executive. Yeah. Do we do we have a reasonably good under, understanding of sort of where they are, like what the current situation is? And do we have a reasonably good idea of, of, of what they're trying to achieve, where they're trying to go? And and does, does our presentation and demo, is it aligned in demonstrating how we're gonna help them or we can help them get there, right? I think if we're not doing that, we're, we're, we're missing an opportunity to get better aligned. Mm-hmm. I mean, imagine you were going to get together with some friends and you said, let's get together for sport this weekend. We'll play some sports together. <laughs> that's so uncomfortable. <laughs> I mean, that's, I feel like often the unprepared, non-prepped, non-goal-aligned like meetings that, that they happen every now and then, that's how it feels. You're in the meeting yeah. going, I'm playing tennis, the other person is playing football, the other person is playing lacrosse. It's just... We're on the same field together, but we're not going to hit our targets. We're not going to get yeah, the goal we're shooting new. for. You know? Well, and 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 that that comment actually sparks a thought for me, Jack. And and you guys know I I, I have my my own version of a I don't know if it's a podcast or something. You know, I do this LinkedIn Live, the Tech Sales Advice, and and I had a gentleman on. He he actually is is a, an SE leader with Google. 
and, and he happens to be a tennis player. You mentioned tennis. He happens to be a tennis player. And he said, you know, Chris, he said, he said, my, my team, they're, they're, I think they're more SMB. So they, they support, you know, their ratios are, are like 10 to one or 12 to one, or maybe, maybe even more. And so they're frequently being brought in to opportunities and conversations with AEs that they don't work with particularly well. He said, Chris, I play a lot of doubles tennis. In doubles tennis, there are times when you're paired up with somebody that you haven't played with before. And so you spend the first five to 10 minutes to sort of figure out their, their strengths or weaknesses, or do they have a stronger forehand or backhand? Are they good at rushing the net, you know? And, it, and it's sort of similar, right? Like, to, to your point, like, we, like well, first of all, let's make sure we know what game we're playing, <laughs> right? right. And, and then right. let's begin to learn each other's strengths and weaknesses and, and, and let's sort of be like that, that doubles tennis team, you know? So love that analogy. Yeah, it's that. That's that's a great, a, a great play out of that. The I, the AE relationships that I had, especially in my time, you know, doing a lot of individual contributor work, it was I, I enjoyed not often the friendliest account executives, but the ones who spent the time mm. understanding how we could work together. Right. And mm. I had there were some AEs that I've worked with in the past that I didn't enjoy them as people, but I worked amazing with them because we would get into a meeting together and we could crush that meeting because we had a strategy. They were going to do this. You know, this is a lot of times it was like pre Zoom meeting, like, okay, I'm going to sit here. I'm going to be strategic with these three people. You try to sit near these people. We're going to, and just the blocking and tackling, you do that. And yeah, you, you, it's amazing what just those small bits of preparation can do aside from all the prep you've done for the demo and everything else outside of it. That's just laying the groundwork. Yeah. Yeah. You know, one thought I always like to bring in is if you find an effective salesperson that you can learn from as an SC, because a good salesperson can teach you how to sell. And that's mm -hmm. where I personally, I mean, just talking about the relationship we can have with the salesperson in general, I would say I learned more about the interactions that I needed to have in a meeting, how to talk in a meeting how to execute a meeting. Like I learned all that from salespeople. I didn't learn that from my SE manager. I learned how to demo from my SE manager. I learned how to execute that. But those soft skills, you're going to learn a lot from a salesperson. Amen. And, mm -hmm. and I think we have to be open to it. You know, right. I think, I think a lot of us, it's, it's, it, and we, we, we talked about this earlier, I think, but you know, it's so it's so easy for this, the the engineer in us to look down upon, for lack of a better term, our account executive, because, you know, oftentimes we think they've got the easy job. They get the bigger paycheck. Right. right? The, the reality is, is they do a tremendous amount of work just to get the meeting that we don't see. And we yep. wouldn't we wouldn't want to do that job. Right. We, we much prefer to be the experts called into the meeting than, than the guys and, and, and gals that are going around knocking on doors trying to get the meeting. Right. It's a it's a totally different experience. And if if we're too negative, we're, we're going to miss the opportunity, Adam, to your point. We're going to miss the opportunity to, to learn from that. Right. And. They, they, they will teach us a lot about about communication, about about the the soft skills, sales, et cetera. And by the way, there are things that we can teach them, right? So I, I think the more open-minded both both parties are, the, the more we're going to learn and grow. 
Well, that's just part one of part two of our conversation with Chris White. So make sure you're following us wherever you get your podcasts or subscribing here on YouTube and like the episode. If you want to catch the next one, just make sure to miss out. Trust me, the conversation just gets better as it goes along. So you don't want to miss the second half of the conversation. Uh, that's going to do it for us for this week. If you want to see more, I want to make sure you miss, don't miss out. Check out demojockeys.com. You can see past episodes. You can see what books we're going to be reading next. Our next book we're going to be reading for next month, for those of you who want to get ahead, is Doing Discovery by Peter Cohen. That's going to be a fantastic conversation as well, so pick that up. Also, another reason to check out demojockeys.com. Starting this week, right now, this week, Adam, Right now. Right we now. Are, we, have, we have launched our community discussion community for demo jockeys we've launched a slack community so if you want to be part of the conversation talk about things we talked about things we may have not talked about talk about anything related to that or just hang out and chat with adam and i um, funny stories funny stories <laughs> whatever come join us there uh be part of the demo jockeys community uh and uh yeah we'll see uh we'll I think that's about it for this week. So do all those things, and we'll see you guys in the next episode. See you all next time. Bye.